This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on, especially theracetalk.com. Of course, we are proudly powered by theracetalk.com. And don't forget our great friends also at Truck Assist. Thanks for joining us today. A big wrap-up coming up of the weekend's action up at the Gold Coast. Another magnificent weekend up there. Record numbers and some fantastic racing, especially the Porsche Carrera Cup Series. Porsche Pace Carrera Cup, their champion for 2019. Jordan Love to join us in just a tick. But first of all, let's say a very good day to Richard Crowell. How are you, Crowley? Chebex, I'm well, mate. What's news? Uh, not much at all. Uh, recovered and settled down from what was a, a massive weekend on the Gold Coast, supercar-wise, and also Porsche Carrera Cup-wise. It was just a, a great weekend of racing. Yeah, it was. Lot, lots to debrief. We'll get into that with Mark a little bit later in the show with how the weekend played out from a supercar point of view. Certainly lots of talking points. Um, never thought we would have seen that weekend from the Shell Mustangs, would we? But at the same time, a great return of form for the, uh, the Red Bull Commodore. So... Lots to debrief there and, and get the vibe on on the event and we'll uh, bring you up to speed with what we've discussed in the power rankings, the annual power rankings as well. So yeah, lots to talk about. But yeah, I mean, controversy. Controversy, we've got a new category as well. It's going to be good. But what about Porsche Pace Prayer Cup? I think we need to start with that because of all the title deciders this year, three rounds ago, it looked like it was shot to pieces, but it has turned quickly and we had an amazing showdown on the weekend. Yeah, I think 201 points was the margin between Darwood and Jordan Love before the bend. And then all of a sudden, a string of six wins and a very consistent weekend and a beautiful ride driving in race two, which got him up from 21st to inside the top 10 to Jordan Love, sealing the championship for 2019. And he joins us on the line now. Congratulations to you, Jordan. Thank you. Thanks, boys. It was... Uh one hell of a weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. In your, in your wildest dreams, did you think that you could uh, complete a Porsche Pace Carrera Cup championship in a two-year stint in the in the category? Uh, look, obviously, it was it was a part of a goal that we'd set. Um, you know, obviously, once once we started a GT3 Cup Challenge, um, you know, three years ago and uh, or two years ago, um, and look, obviously, obviously, Maddie and, and Jackson. You know, they they did it and they showed that it that it was possible. So it was definitely a goal for us. And you know, after Darwin, that sort of <laughs> crushed down a fair bit. But you know, we kept pushing, and you know, here we are today. The, the Darwin stuff is probably the biggest talking point of the year, mate. Because at one point you're you're on a hot streak. You, your momentum at the start of the year was extraordinary. I thought your Phillip Island performance was as dominant as we'd ever seen you, and you, you really beat the field that weekend. And then you end up with a broken wrist and you're in a world of pain, you have to have surgery and you got zero points from that weekend as well. So all of a sudden you're on the back foot. How did you get your head right through that process? How did you manage dealing with that while at the same time trying to engineer a comeback and continue to think about winning the championship? Yeah, look, we knew from, I guess, from the get-go from the start of the year that, you know, you don't have to win races to, to win a championship in, in the Porsches. And it was all about building. And I thought we did, we did that quite well. And I think, you know, after Darwin, it was, you know, it was a, a bit of a, bit of a punch in the face. And, 
I had I have an awesome team around me and, and a very uh, a very good group of people that helped to help to be, bring me uh, back to life spiritually wise. And you know we were we were pretty much straight after the uh, surgery. It was it was heads down, and you know all I could think about was was getting back into the car and, and wanting to get back into the car. So. I didn't really ever have any doubt that we were going to be at Townsville. It was more of a question of how much pain we were going to be in. And, um, you know, to be honest, it, it paid out a, a lot better than, than I originally thought. So, um, yeah, I was just, I guess I was just happy to be at Townsville more than anything. You spoke about the amount of pain that you thought you might have been in at Townsville. How much pain were you in at Townsville? Um, the, the biggest thing for me was just going over the curbs. Like, yeah, it, it, I just didn't have any strength in it whatsoever. So, it wasn't it wasn't pain unless I gave it a knock, which over the curbs happened every now and then. But it was more of the fact that I just couldn't have any grip strength out of it. So I was physically not driving with two hands. You know, I could wrap my hand and my fingers around the steering wheel, but that was that and change gears, and that was about it. You know, so it was physically it was I guess tough on tough on my right hand because it was it was doing most of the work, and I guess trying to bounce one of those. If cup cars over the over the over the curbs with with one hand is is fairly interesting. <laughs> yes, um, Taylor Ben was obviously a critical weekend because you sealed the Michelin Junior Trophy, and as good as the the broad championship is, and you and I talk about this on on Sunday night, the the big prize is important, but the Michelin Junior stuff is the real career kicker, isn't it? That's the stuff that gives you the opportunity to go and do the Matt and Jackson thing in Europe. So, was there a like a, a pressure valve release after Taylor and Ben, where you kicked that junior driver box, you got the, the tickets to Europe, and did that make the last two rounds a little bit more straightforward in terms of just focusing on the overall title? Oh, 100%. You know, the, as I said to you on Sunday night, you know, that was that was the main box we needed to tick, and that was definitely the main goal heading into this year. You know, that's the, the main thing we wanted to go and do. And, you know, I think, I think the quote was after Taylor and Ben that it felt like a a huge weight had been lifted lifted off my shoulders. And, you know, I didn't, I actually didn't think about uh, the Michelin Junior. I didn't think about it points-wise until we actually got to Taylor and Bend. And I wasn't, mm. you know, I wasn't that sure of actually how close Cam was. And then, you know, once I found out at the start of the weekend, I said, you know, well, this is, we could, we could, we could lose that and, and that could go. So, you know, obviously that put a fair bit of pressure on. And, you know, Cam was, was right there as well. You know, obviously um, qualifying, qualified very well and, and raced very well so you know sort of adds another element of pre- pressure as well but uh yeah that was definitely i think one of the favorite weekends of the year Jeez, i'll tell you i'll tell you what the prizes in the porsche post career cup australia are, are amazing especially if you become a champion you win a beautiful watch thanks to tag hoy there's no doubt uh, that is a, a great prize on its own but the fact that you're going to be traveling to europe three times in the next five weeks you've got a trip to, <laughs> you've got a trip to germany to compete against the other Porsche juniors from right around the world. Then you go back to Germany for the uh, awards dinner, which will happen up there. And then I think you go to Norway, do you, for some ice racing? Uh, to Finland. In, Finland. I, I, believe, I believe it's around March. I'm actually not 100% sure. I've actually got an email sitting in my in my inbox from Matlena that she's probably a bit upset that I haven't replied to yet. Um, but, <laughs> I'm uh, sure she'll forgive yeah, you. I, I, believe, I believe it's March. I'm not 100% sure, but... Uh, but no, I'm incredibly excited. Obviously, the pressures are get back on for the, the shootout, and I guess it's full steam ahead and eyes forward to prepare as much as we can for that. But um, in terms of the night of champions and then what happens in Finland, I'm I'm pretty pretty well excited for. And 
Also been to the been to the Night of Champions before with uh, after after Cup Challenge, and I kind of to a certain extent know what I'm in for, and I think that emphasises how how excited I am a little bit. So now really looking forward to that. Just off the back of that, Mate, Jordan, I, sorry if I can, Richard. Mm. Just on the shootout, have you had? Will you get an opportunity, or have you had an opportunity to have a chat to to Maddie or or Jackson and sort of see what you need to expect? Yeah, definitely. I've already spoken to uh, to a couple of the guys, and you know, and a few people, and uh, even on Sunday night, I was speaking to to Alex Davison a little bit, and and and, uh, and Andy McElray over over the Bathurst weekend of just getting little tips and tricks here and there, and. Um, I actually sent Maddie a message um, on Sunday. Uh, we're gonna catch up over the phone and you know just try and get as much information as I possibly can of you know what they did and you know what, where they think they really really went well and I guess what to expect. And then I've also had uh, a couple of videos from from Nick Foster in terms of um, you know at the actual track and and everything like that to sort of know where I'm going. <laughs> Um, and and everything like that. So yeah, we're just going to do everything we possibly can to to prepare, and that when we get there, we're feeling comfy and we're not approaching things that we didn't really expect as such. I, I held, held my breath when you said you got some videos from Nick Foster because I was wondering where you were going from that, knowing, knowing Nick Foster. But no, that's great. I, the, the one thing I will say, and and even though. The, the last two juniors that have gone over and done it from Australia are McElroy drivers, and there's a great rivalry between McElroy and Sonic. But I think when there is a champion decided, everyone in the series just goes, right, let's get behind this kid and let's let's see Career Cup Australia compete against the internationals, which is terrific. Um, the, the question I was going to ask before, and you, you mentioned Alex, um, we celebrated the 15th year of Career Cup on Sunday night, and we had a bunch of former champions there. I know you love the sport, and I know you follow it closely. What did it mean to you to be included in that photo at the end of the night, where we had Jim Richards, Alex Davison, Craig Baird, Dave Reynolds? The list goes on. Pretty remarkable group of race car drivers. What does it mean to you to be included in that selection now as a champion of Prairie Cup? Oh, obviously, it's it's pretty special, and I think that was it was almost the turning point of when everything sort of started to sink in. I think because you know, you read some of the articles and even that night when, when they're all up on stage and you read all these incredible names that have done pretty incredible things and then it's your name down the bottom and you go, geez, I've got a bit to live up for here, I think. Um, but, uh, but no, obviously it was, it was pretty cool to see, you know, everything that they had done and, and learn a bit about how they did it in the years when, when they won and then obviously to, you know, yeah, have that whole photo and everything. It's, it's pretty cool. Jordan, it's an opportunity for you to name drop a little bit here. Uh, since Sunday night, what uh, extraordinary text messages or, or names of from people that you received text messages from? Um, we've had some pretty uh, pretty good text messages from some pretty nice people. Um, high up in the food chain. Yeah, a few uh, few high up on the food chain had a had a message from. Um, from Dick Johnson, obviously um, quite a close family friend. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Have you been told something? That no, I no, 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 remember? nothing. No, I just thought there might be an opportunity to say that Roland Dane said congratulations. Uh... No, nothing from him, unfortunately. Dick Johnson's a good start, though. I'm sure they're watching. Yeah. <laughs> is that... nice all... well, it's really good enough, isn't it? Is, oh, it is. Yeah. No, is, that, is that something... <laughs> 
that now start you you can realistically start to think about in in regards to the future and what that next step is. I, I know you probably love to, and I know we'd all love to have you back in Porsche Pace Career Cup Australia next year. And uh, great for Porsche also to get the naming rights of Pace for the next couple of years as well on that championship. They've been fantastic supporters of the category. Uh, but uh, beyond that, uh, obviously, enduro drives and stuff like that, they're the things that you can realistically now put your hand up and say, well, hang on, I'm a, I'm a Porsche champion. I, you know, this is something I should be looking at. Yeah, look, obviously, um, you're 100% right. And, you know, I've, I've always said and I've always believed in I'll drive whatever it is, whenever it is, um, and, you know, however it may be. So, you know, I've always had the dream of going to Europe and, you know, without a doubt, if something was to come up, over here, I'd, I'd try and take it with two hands. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm up for anything and I'm not really at a point in, in my career where I could pick and choose things as they come. I sort of just take everything as it comes and, and try and uh, give it a, give them all. Last one for me, mate, and it's been a terrific season, but I, I thought one of your better drives was race two. We all know about Amazing. the dramas at the start. You ended up pointing around the wrong way. You're blazing through the field, but at one point... You came up between a bright yellow and orange car run by your <laughs> race team, which happened to have your little brother behind the wheel. Was, yep. was there any doubt in your mind that he would get out of your way at any point in that as you are trying to work your way through to establish some points? Or were you always confident that Aaron would, would let Big Brother go through and uh, and continue his charge to the championship? What was going through your brain then? Um, you know, to, to be honest, not, no doubt at all. I knew that he would he'd be there to help. But I actually had a radio call from... Mick was on the radio every lap, you know, being uh, as good as he possibly can as always, uh, pretty much just talking me through it. And, you know, I kind of knew in advance that um, that Aaron was going to let me through, um, which I guess is a, is a bit of a confidence kicker. But obviously he was, obviously he got uh, got the word of what was going on. But, you know, I've got no doubt that if that wasn't the case, he still, still would have done it. And, you know, he had an awesome weekend and, you know, he really showed some strong pace. I think he, he was fastest in the third sector in that final race. So, yeah, he was. Um, in a, a track that, you know, you sort of rely a lot of, uh, you know, experience on and, and being there a few times. And, you know, he's, he, I thought he did very well. Was it cool to race him, mate? Because I, I don't think you're in Formula 4 at different times and you've been in Cup Challenge at different times. So, was it actually cool to get the chance to go on the same racetrack in the same category with him? Yeah, yeah, it, it really was. You know, obviously, the, you know, the pressure comes on a bit and, you know, everyone says little comments and, oh, who's the better love and all these sort of stuff. But, no, it, it was awesome fun. And, you know, mum probably wouldn't say the same thing. I think she was pretty stressed all weekend. But, uh, no, it was, was awesome. And, you know, hopefully it's not the last time. <laughs> I don't know how you called it, Quailsy, on the tally, but definitely on the uh, track commentary when I saw Jordan coming up behind Aaron, uh, my next line was, if mum could get hands of the radio and jump on there and say, move over for your brother now, yeah. she would be doing <laughs> it. I think she would have been too stressed. No, Nicky, the, the stress levels would have been too high. I don't even know if she was watching the telly at that point. No, it was it was good. And uh, I, my, my good mate, Chad Nolan, called, called the finish of that. And his, um, his line at the end of the final race was great, which was love conquers, conquers all. And I think that was uh, pretty appropriate, mate. So... Well done in your season. Yep. It was been terrific to follow your eyes through the Porsche ranks, and uh, we know you're going to go and give it hell in Europe at the shootout too. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Richard. Thanks, Crowley. It's been uh, been awesome year, and uh, thank you for uh, thank you for all your help. Good on you, mate. Well done, Jordan Love, joining us right here on the grid.
catch up there with Jordan Love, Porsche Pace Career Cup Australian champion for 2019. Uh, another champion bloke is this guy that joins us now. G'day to you, Mark Walker. Crikey, that's a bit overboard. Um, <laughs> coming down after a big weekend, but I feel that I really made a great life decision by not going to the pub Sunday night. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I reckon you probably did. Um, but if you had gone to the pub on Sunday night, you might have woken up on uh, Monday morning being sledged by one of your sporting icons. So uh, you can't claim that. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I am too soft. You are too soft, Richard Crail. Uh, but GNTs, is that the way to go? Is that the future of yep. no hangovers? Yep. I was drinking GNTs with two other people and neither of them woke up in hangovers the next morning. Isn't so that's that- a ticket. Isn't that funny? I can confess right here and now that I was drinking vodka, lemon, and limes. Really? On Sunday night. That's and, very different. And, but you left early. You left early, Shebeck. You were very disappointing. You just no, no, I left, the Por- your way out. I left the Porsche party early. I did go onto the green room uh, to for a couple okay, of to yeah, sort of yeah. spread my love across the place. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's where oh. the uh, vodkas were starting there. I, yeah. I just feel that you all have to hand back your man cards, but that's another issue, isn't it? Really? Yeah, that, that's a separate podcast. I feel like we need to <laughs> debrief a bit later on. Wasn't it a good weekend, though, boys? Um, and from the moment moment we rolled in Thursday, there was there was a vibe about that place. There's, there's always a good vibe at the Gold Coast 600, but um, just the, the little tweaks and changes to the event, the return of the stadium trucks had, had a bit of hype about it. And just the current situation in the championship with a fairly active fortnight's lead-in after the great race um, and, and perfect weather just conspired to give it a really, really good feeling over the weekend. And Mark can probably add to this more than I can because he did more of the, the old event than I did. But that's the most indie vibe I've mm. felt there in its current format. It wasn't oh, full indie, but it was closest I felt it. Uh, as far as punters in attendance, like obviously the track's smaller, so you're going to have a smaller attendance. Mm. I think that's to absolutely be expected because it's it's not Indy cars, it's not the old Indy carnival, it's not that uh, you know adult schoolies sort of thing that the Indy used to be. But the crowd was immense. Like that was as many people as I've ever seen chocked you know chocked into that part of the racetrack. I mean, the crushing areas like the demarcation lane was down to barely able to scrape through because there's just that many people trying to squeeze in on the footpaths around the track. So I don't think there was anything to be disappointed in that crowd at all. It was fantastic. Sometimes you have reason to question the numbers that uh, supercars put up at the end of the event. You think, oh, geez, was it really that big? It didn't look it. You could not Mm. in any way try and not justify what they had close to 200,000 people over three days. There was every yep. bit of that from Friday being an amazing Friday. I don't think I've seen that many people there on a Friday too. Just was a, a constant weekend. Yeah, and, and the changes they made, and, and full credit to Supercar Events to promote that show. They've made a lot of changes in the precincts over the last couple of years, but the biggest ones were this year. They moved the, the night entertainment stuff um, back down from Southport into the precincts. Up behind the hill there was the stage and you had the DJs and and I, I have no idea who Carl Cox is or any of the other DJs that were there, but um, they brought a really young, useful party attendance to it, which clearly worked. Um, the little activation zones around it, the rest areas, lots of shade, party lights set up, different bars and sort of club-style areas around the precinct. I thought it all worked absolutely brilliantly. So 
No, massive kudos to the team that put that event together, and I, I thought it was hugely successful. The, the indication I get for how many punters are there is how long it takes to walk from the media centre, which is uh, at pit entry on the start-finish straight, to Carrera Cup, which is down behind Turn 4 on the beach at the other end of the circuit. And when it's quiet and empty at the end or the beginning of the day, it's a 10-minute stroll. Lovely. When it's packed, it takes 25. And um, it took 25 all weekend. So yeah. it was um, it was real busy. I think one of the bit that I really liked was, uh, sorry, Tony, was yeah. uh, the little bar that they put up uh, at the beginning of pit lane there where everyone's in there having a feed and a drink. But all the drivers have to walk past there to get to their little Acro huts out the back. Which yeah. I thought was really cool because in the years past, you know, the punters had absolutely no access to the pit lane, uh, generally speaking, or the paddock. Um, but here, everyone was able to sort of high five all the drivers as they were going through, get a photo, get an autograph. I thought that was a really nice touch. So well done. I thought also uh, another thing, and I'm not sure whether you guys saw it or not, but right throughout the entire weekend on Friday, Saturday, and not even through to Sunday. On the big screen, we were promoting Ricky Lee will be here at 4 o'clock to sing for you. Fantastic. There was footage of Ricky Lee up on the screen. Great, of course. So she was, uh, was, she, was she in uh, Australia's Got Talent or whatever she was in anyway? And uh, then all of a sudden, it turned out that someone had messed it up in the marketing department. It was actually a DJ called oh. Rick Lee who was going to be oh. there at 4 o'clock. So for two and a half days, everyone had been expecting Ricky Lee to perform at 4 o'clock. But uh, old mate Rick Lee turned up with uh, his CDs. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, there needs to be an inquiry. But there needs to be an inquiry. <laughs> yeah. Someone needs to be held accountable for this sort of rubbish. <laughs> oh, goodness me. I'll tell you what, though. Oh, Ricky Lee Rick, Ricky Lee was there. She, she did the national anthem in 2007. Yep. And uh, I, I remember hearing Team Radio from Oriel Servia's IndyCar, who was on the front row right behind Ricky Lee, and he was he, he thought it was an excellent rendition of uh, <laughs> Advanced Australia Fair. Never heard it before, but that's one of the best I've heard. It, it was, yep, 100%. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, when you... Uh, uh, when you have a team that has such an amazing year as DJR Team Penske have had, at some point you've got to have a little glitch in the program. And that was definitely this weekend for the uh, the Red Mustangs, wasn't it? It was a really tough yeah. weekend for those shell cars. Yeah, it's the first weekend all year where they haven't had the fast car. And, and it was only by virtue of Scott McLaughlin being Scott McLaughlin that uh, he got pole on Saturday by that typically genius lap. Um, and, and Mr. Four Tenths, to show you where they were at, he found his Four Tenths, but he ended up only on pole by a tenth of a second because they just weren't as quick as the Commodores all weekend. And that's the first time it's happened all season long. So he was driving that thing really, really hard to get the most out of it and obviously paid the ultimate price um, when he, he barrel-rolled the thing in the lead-up to that race, So, which was just, just a remarkable accident. Um, and then the, the other issue that team's got, and it's probably the biggest issue they've had all season, barring the Bathurst drama, um, is that Car 12 remains completely anonymous and they're really struggling. Whatever it is, no matter whether it's Fabs or TD or who's driving, they cannot get that car where they need it to be. So they don't have backup. So when your lead car goes down, they don't have the sister car there to pick up the pieces and win races like it probably should be. Whereas Triple Eight have got both of their cars with their unbelievable driver combinations on song, and they just punched out a couple of casual one twos. So, yeah, remarkable turnaround from where we've seen them, and, and the, the true test now will be how they bounce back at Sandown and how they patch together a new race car in a week and a bit before they get down to Melbourne.
I mean, he's probably going to have his confidence dented. And, I mean, he's got 463 points in this championship. So, mm. it's a really good gap. But Sandown's worth 300. And, I mean, if they have a mechanical, they have a co-driver issue, they have some sort of issue there, well, that'll be down to 163 because you'd expect the Dream Team will be up there uh, punching out big results at Sandown if the uh, number 17 car was to falter. So I don't think it's uh, a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. Like, that was 150 points he gave away on the weekend. I mean, in qualifying, he's just been so perfect this year. And the problem is, when you're on the limit, bashing out laps that are four times quicker than everyone, look, you are right on the limit. And that track, like we said last week, the limit is touching the wall. And unfortunately, when you're going four times quicker than everyone else, you're hitting a bit of a wall that no one's hit before. And he managed to bond that concrete there, which is very unusual. Like, you look at the marks there on it, and it was a good sort of uh, block and a half past where the tyre wall started. So he was just running such a fast straight line through that uh, that one, two, three chicane that uh, it just completely brought him unstuck. So uh, hopefully Scott is able to bounce back and, uh, you know, he can find his confidence and find his feet down and stand down. I think the most amazing thing for me was the fact that those uh, concrete blocks weigh three tonne each and he had moved one of them back a good eight to 12 inches was the force of that 43G hit from his car onto well, that it, uh, concrete wall. The thing you should back is that uh, those walls, if they've got a gutter behind them, they don't move. But yeah. in that particular place, there was nothing behind it. So you sort of got this big string of concrete blocks, but they're just sliding over the top of the asphalt. So... If you hit one of those walls where there isn't a gutter behind it, uh, they will move a mile. Yeah. Well, and, and to show you as well how how close this could have been to a really bad thing for Scott. So they lost a car, but he was um, the, the latest episode of their Balls and Bumpers podcast that he does with our good mate Timmy Hodges and yeah. uh, AFL footballer Jack Rewald. Um, he Scott said that he was petrified that he had he had bleeding on the brain from a CT scan and. And if you've got that, you're not running, you're not racing sand down. So it could have been much, much worse. So even though it wrote the car off, um, even though it caused amazing damage and, and it's a massive story, as always, it could have been much worse. So I, I think if anything, Scott can build on that. And from a confidence point of view, still 460 plus points in front, um, the, the new car will be clearly as fast as the old one go to Sandown and uh, I'm, I'm very very confident that he'll still wrap it up there regardless. Yeah no doubt and I've put in a request for Scotty for next week so hopefully he can join us and have a chat to us about uh, mm. what happened at the Gold Coast and uh, the rest of the year moving forward let us move forward guys I thought it was fantastic for the sport to see Triple Eight back in their absolute glory and uh, they were as good as they've been for a long time that week, this weekend at the Gold Coast yeah, weren't they? And, I mean, they, their cars have always been pretty handy up there and they've got a great track record at the place. Um, well, they've, they've got yeah, both their cars working well, but with that driver lineup, they were faultless. And yeah, when was the last time Craig Lowndes made starts that good? Oh. Like, both days, absolutely nailed them, didn't he? So that was huge. And, and you know, they ultimately, they ran into that position where it was almost too good to be true in that they had to decide between one car and another on strategy and um, someone was going to be handicapped on each day with how the race played out. And it, it turned out perfectly in the end that they each got a victory between car Triple Eight and car 97, So which seemed to be perfectly fair in the end, given that championships probably the least of their, their thoughts at the moment. It's all about stringing the results together. But 
but they were great. And um, the other outcome of Scott not starting on Sunday is that Garth and um, and Shane now looking serious, serious contention for the Pertec Enduro Cup with uh, a couple of seconds and a first in the three Enduro races so far. Um, obviously, that fourth place at Bathurst for Craig and Jamie puts them a little bit, little bit further behind them. So um, we'll get a decider at, at Sandown with the Enduro Cup side of things as well. And but yeah, they're, they're powerful performance. And if those cars are like that at Newcastle at the final end of the year, then final round of the year, then every chance I'll do the same up there. You know what the thing was standing trackside looking at those triple eight things in the weekend is that they just looked comfortable. They just looked mm. lazy. They weren't mashing up into the air. They were just riding the, the ripple strips absolutely perfectly, which is what you want. You want your wheels on the deck. You want to be aggressive and shortcut the chicanes as much as you can. But at the same time, you want your wheels on the deck uh, giving you the drive and the steer to get around the course. And those triple eight cars had a stuff. And, you know, that's been their Achilles heel all year is that they were a bit nowhere after the change to the single spring at the start of the season. So you'd have to say that they've definitely found it at this end of the year. Would you say it's a narrow track? I don't no. think it terribly is. No. So I think so much of that comes down to their ride and bump control and they've got it tough. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, in the uh, on the racetalk.com this week, uh, the race of the power rankings as we always do after a major race meeting. And uh, Richard, explain what we've done here. We've got the hots and the knots as we normally have, but we've added a new yep. category called what? Yeah, well, we I think we had to. Since we, we were getting, we had a couple this year where, which were lukewarm. Um, we had some, I think, that were mild. Um, but I, I think we've, we've <laughs> just had to bite the bullet and go to a permanent third category called what? So hot, knot, and what? Um, spurred on by the, uh, the and the story's live on the racetalk.com now if you've not seen it yet already um, spurred on by old mate on the podium <laughs> on Sunday which is one of the great moments of season 2019 and will forever remain so I love the um, the podium launch by the way of them bashing the champagne bottles all at the same time yeah. that's a, that was really really cool but there's old mate from the, from the sponsor in the background um, I believe he was a, he's a regional manager for Virgin or something like that, but um, good on him. I, I, but, we, but we were all split, weren't we? And, and we, we've got our panel that we all sit down and we discuss the power rankings and social media was split as well. It's like, is it hot or is it not? And we couldn't decide. But the, the thing that everyone was saying was, well, what was it? What the hell was it? And so that we, we've got a new new category. There's a couple of others in there as well. Check it out at theracetalk.com now. So, uh, yeah, loved it. Cool, 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 mate. It's funny. The very, other, very funny. The other one that's in there under the what, and it's an amazing photo, folks, and I, I, I just go to the racetalk.com and have a look at it. It's the uh, the Holden Racing Team car, the Red Bull car, going through a uh, a corner and a, a river of water behind it, which had come yeah. up. Mark, you might want to explain what exactly happened there. First of all, about old mate from the sponsor there, I think it was a good plug for uh, Cooper's Mid as well. I mean, that was a fantastic plug for some other sponsored products. You know, you know uh, what, just quickly about him too, what I loved about it was that everybody reckons it's fantastic and just how great it was, except every photographer who was trying to get a photo of the podium. Yeah, Absolutely hate his guts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anyway, so the, the other what there, that's uh, Friday practice three, uh, we had a water feature. We were doing a bit of rally cross, which I think 
should just become a permanent picture of different racetracks. I mean, let's just do it because uh, it was wild. Uh, I noticed uh, I walked past that corner during practice two, and there's a big pit full of water there, and there's all these pumps and generators and and big industrial spec hoses there that were obviously trying to keep a check of whatever flooding was going on in this pit. And um, halfway through the session, I was, I was just there taking some photos through that she came from the other side of the street. And, uh, yeah, the water feature sprung up and I was getting some rad photos and I've looked over my shoulder and the flaggies didn't have the change of circuit uh, adhesion flag out, the red and yellow striped flag. So I sort of started screaming at them because we were just about to ride off the car because there was about half a dozen of them there that uh, nearly wore the fence coming out of that corner, uh, exactly where Scott McLaughlin wound up uh, hitting it later on the weekend. But uh, they managed to uh, stop the session before uh, anyone else uh, got in a drama there. They went and turned on the pumps and they wound up having some workers there monitoring that for the rest of the weekend so that there wasn't a repeat. But yeah, there was some sort of plumbing issue there filling up a, a bit of a, a pit. But uh, once they turned on the pumps, it was A-OK and there wasn't a drum for the rest of the weekend. So what you're saying, Mark, is that uh, you let the official know soon after you got four <laughs> or five really good exclusive photos of cars rolling through there for the racetalk.com. I was running the assumption that they were looking at the exact same thing I was and, you know, the bloke with the flag in his hand would have stuck it out of hole. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, Blew me away, but anyway, that's motor racing, isn't never, it? Never yep. ever assume anything, never ever. Amazing photos, yeah. Hey guys, hey, what else, boys? Well, the um, other big story, the other big story for the weekend, and we, we should touch on it, is the inclusion of Dylan O'Keefe into uh, the Gary Rogers Motorsport team at the replacement of Richie Stanaway, who, uh, from all reports, and I'm, I'm not sure whether this has been confirmed or not, but uh, was sacked due to the fact that he didn't turn up to a uh, an autograph signing session. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that that is as we understand, a part of it, um, that the, the reason given was disciplinary reasons. Um, there, there is, we also understand, a track record of things like this in the past, not just with GRM, but Kickford as well. So, um, yeah, look, it's, um, it's just weird. It was a really, really weird scenario. And, and we should focus on the positives in that Dylan who had 25 minutes notice and uh, had to blaze down the Carrera Cup to get his helmet. Uh, that fortunately, like every good part-time racing car driver, even if they're not driving, you keep your helmet with you. Um, he, he charged down to Carrera Cup. He was doing some driver coaching with Dean Cook and uh, charged back up through the million people that were there jumping the car and qualified it straight away. So um, that, that was a, a great outcome for Dylan and good to see a good young bloke getting a go because he's a, a terrific young guy and a very talented race car driver. But the Stanaway thing is just a strange, strange thing. And and there's been nothing said about it officially, but it, it feels weird that after all the stuff we boost over the last few weeks and then GRM being forced to um, pull their entry for next year and, and not commit to the sport, that, that the boost back driver then gets stood down at the Gold Coast a week later it's probably coincidence, but um, it's a pretty good story to dive into anyway. Just weird, though, wasn't it? Just the way the whole thing played out and a completely oddball interview is he's walking out of the track to leave before mm. qualifying starts. So, but I don't understand how it all works there because Boost is sponsoring Bieber in the S5000 at the bend coming up. Yeah. Um, and then the, the rumour of the weekend is that 
Stanaway is going to wind up at Walkinshaw and throw to United next year. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I don't we're, get it. Where Booster's been before. And yep. and is, is there... Booster's vowed and declared that they're not going to support any supercar team until they get their way with controlled dampers and um, control uprights and things like that, um, which was never going to happen for next year anyway. Um, yeah, there's... It's just a really, really weird situation. But it's been like that since day one, since when she came into the category. It's just been obscure. And he's had one or two really brilliant moments interspersed with a whole lot of obscurity like what we saw on the mm. weekend. It's really, really hard to get a read on it. I just I just don't know. I, we'll find out at Sandown if he's back in that car and it's all good, then then move on. Because we, we've heard other reports, boys, that, he really enjoyed his time at GRM and was enjoying driving for them and wanted to continue to, to work for them and was actually disappointed that um, that they weren't going to enter next year because he wanted to go around again. So there's all kinds of stuff that you hear on the grapevine, but, yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, boys, let's just quickly look uh, forward to Sandown. Uh, we'll do a more of a, a, a preview of that next week. But uh, you mentioned it before, Richard, the... The Pertec Endurance Cup is in a really good situation at the moment and it's great to have a, a different leader of something around. But one would think that uh, this is Van Gisbergen's championship to lose, isn't it, the uh, Endurance Cup? Oh, well, maybe. And look, Triple Eight have had some absolute beatings at Sandown in the last couple of years. And um, was it last year? They absolutely routed the field um, mm. and no one, no one got near them. So... Yeah, potentially. But I, I'd like to pick on some of the other stories, I think, though, boys, from an Enduro Cup standpoint. And, and they mentioned, we mentioned it in the power rankings, Warren Luff and Scott Pye. What an outstanding job those yeah. two spikes have done. Um, could have been a podium at Bathurst if it wasn't for all the dramas in the last 30, uh, 30 laps there. And then um, two really solid top fives on the weekend. And, and the same can be said for Cam Waters and uh, Michael Caruso who was terrific there. They're not in the Enduro Cup calculations, but um, from a, a co-driver point of view, both doing a great job. And, and from Tickford, Tommy Randall and Lee Holdsworth have been accumulating nicely and they had a couple of really strong results, as did Alex and Will Davison. So, yeah, I like it. it it's really nicely poised and um, it looks like it'll be a fight between the two Red Bull cars who can win the Enduro Cup, but uh, it gives it a bit of spice, that, that subplot, before we get to Newcastle, where it's entirely likely that that all the major titles will be wrapped up by the time we get there. Rich, that uh, Walkinshaw and Trudy United form of late, what do you reckon? Because, I mean, Bathurst, they sort of got through Bathurst. They didn't need the ultimate car pace to jag results there because everyone else just bashed each other off the racetrack. And then the Gold Coast, it's more of a place where a driver hustling his car can hustle a result out of it. So I think Sandown's going to be the test of have they actually got their cars in the pace? Or yep. had they just been able to hustle it through a couple of uh, events where anything can sort of happen? So I think Sandon's going to be very interesting to see where those two and twenty-two wind up. Just before yeah, we wind I, up, I agree with that. Just before we wind it up, boys, let's uh, have a quick chat to TCR announcing their calendar for two thousand and twenty, along with the S five thousands, and they're starting off with the, the the TCR category, starting off with the TCR Asia Pacific Cup at the Australian Grand Prix, moving on to Sydney Motorsport Park. Bathurst, six hour. They'll go there twice with the new Bathurst event as well. Winton, the Bend, Phillip Island, Queensland Raceway, and Sandown's a great uh, calendar. Yeah, it is. And uh, 5,000, much the same. 5,000 will do six rounds plus 
plus hopefully B5 at the end of the year, the fifth Athens event. Um, so, yeah, it looked pretty straightforward. Um, it, it's just emphasising in the short term that there's certainly not going to be any crossover between PCR, S5000 and the supercar event side of things. The only time you'll see them uh, on the same program is at the Grand Prix where S5000 is also at, which is going to be very, very cool. Um, but the GP very much control their own destiny as far as the, the support race category goes. But solid, solid calendar. The date, what a date equity from this year. That, that September 10 down date is very, very good. Um, but the key to all this will be the TV package when it's announced and, and how that stacks up. And there, there's going to be a shift. We don't know where yet. Um, but there's lots of rumours around a really solid free-to-air package that, that's going to grow on what's been on SBS this year. Um, and of course, the streaming as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's really positive, good dates, and um, building that relationship. And we should mention that uh, now ARG are uh, co-promoting the Bathurst Six Hour with uh, with the Bathurst Regional Council. That's also going to be part of the Shannon's National, so that will count for a round. So my bet would be that you might see other Shannon's Nationals categories form part of the undercard at the B Six Hour, where TCR will obviously be in April next year. GT Three Cup Challenge, maybe. Potentially, it'd be good to see those cars back there as well. Uh, that would be very, very cool. Uh, Porsches go very well at Mount Panorama. So, yeah, who knows? All right. That's uh, all good news. Boys, fantastic weekend. Once again, great uh, doing it with you and look forward to catching up with you guys next week before we uh, head off to Sandown for the uh, penultimate round of the 2019 Supercar Series. 100%. Before we go, there's something. Mark Mark and I had a moment Thursday night, not that moment, we're at the pub. Well, um, where, 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 now we put a challenge out on the podcast oh, last yes. week in our preview saying, if you are in the Gold Coast on Thursday night, come to the Clock Hour Hotel, come and say good day, find us, and we'll buy you a beer. Um, and with no expectations that a, anyone listens this long anyway, and B, that that wouldn't actually happen. What were the odds? Well, it turns out the odds are bloody good. So, um, we, we were very, very lucky and quite surprised, I'm not going to lie to you, um, to have a gentleman come up and say good day, uh, refused our offer of beer, which um, was surprising because one should never say no to a uh, refreshing beverage. Oh, I stood up. I was, I was halfway to the bar. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, had your water out. I need to go and buy a beer. No, you've never had your water out that quick. It was remarkable. Um, but, yeah, so I think we, proof of concept, we'll do it again at Newcastle. We'll right. do it again at New Year, the final, final round. But with time and location to be advised in a podcast between now and then. We're not going to tell you when. Keep listening. Listen all the way through. You'll find out you could earn yourself a free beer on theracetalk.com and on the grid powered by mypodcasthouse.com. So there you go. Proof. It works, though. And uh, we're, genuinely, we were both completely and utterly surprised. But uh, and that, utterly surprised. And that was your listener brush. Mine was with uh, a young man called TJ who came up to me at the racetrack, drives improved production yep. cars up there at Queensland. And I just heard my name called out. I'm thinking, who the hell's that? And I've looked around. This kid comes up to me. Kid, he must have been all of 22, 23. And he's gone, Tony Shebeki, my name's TJ. You don't know me. I just want to thank you so much for your podcast. You and the guys do an amazing job. I listen to every episode. Thank you so much. And that was beautiful. It's great to hear from our listeners, as uh, we all did over the weekend. And we should, uh, we should say good day to Paul Girk at Porsche, who's the, the past guru there, who yeah. is an avid on the grid listener. And to be fair, texted me first about the beer. 
Um, but uh, really appreciate it. It's very good. All right, boys. Enjoy the rest of the week. Get some rest because it was a massive weekend, and uh, we'll do it all again in two weeks' time. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Richard Crowell and Mark Walker joining us here on The Grid. So there you have it, another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Thanks for joining us here on mypodcasthouse.com. We look forward to catching you again next week. Full preview of what's coming up in the final round of the Pertec Endurance Cup at Sandown next week. Catch you then right here on mypodcasthouse.com.